people in your hearing. Amen, 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 amen. Our classes can be dismissed. I am sorry. I know you all are way ahead of me. Paul writing to the church at Rome, which is applicable for the church today, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again this morning, we are so thankful for your presence. Lord, we couldn't do it without you. Lord, I pray today that as we minister your word, I pray that you will use this vessel. I pray that you'll help me to speak as your instrument. Lord, that this that you're about to give us this morning will be received in the spirit in which it is intended, that our hearts will be challenged, that we'll be encouraged and strengthened by your word. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and thanks for it. It's in Jesus' name that we ask it today. Amen and amen. Amen. Committing your life to the church. That sounds like a strange phrase, perhaps, to some folks. But I want you to understand, what I'm about to say is by no means belittling or demeaning God's church in any way. You're the greatest people on the earth, and you're God's people. And don't don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But I also want you to note that the church is not a social club. Nor is the church a building, and the church is not an option. Sadly for many in our culture today and in our society, the church has come to mean a geographic location, a specific address. As you may recall, over the years, most everything that has been promoted by the local church has involved it being at a specific location, somewhere where we go to, somewhere where we call this the church, and so forth namely within the church building or some reasonable facsimile. However, I want you to know that the church is life and death. Amen. The church is God's strategy for reaching a lost world. Please understand, what we do inside the church, it matters. And we don't leave church when we leave here this morning and go home. The church goes with us. What we do in the church matters. How we live, how we walk, and how we talk really matters. You see, as a result of our years of involvement in surroundings, we have a tendency to equate church life with events and programs, what goes on here, but these are not what make the church. Programs are helpful to the extent that they facilitate the life and mission of the church, but we can't equate well-attended events with the health of the church. Almighty God cares deeply about the way we love each other and the way we pursue His mission. Amen. They're going to put something up there on the screen right now that says, The church is a group of redeemed people that live and serve together in such a way that their lives and communities are transformed. Amen. Paul said that we'll be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. What matters is our interaction with people God has placed in our lives. 
If you stop during the day long enough to pray with someone, whatever their crisis or situation might be, that's involvement in church. That's part of church. You are in church. If you're not connected with a born, with born again believers serving and being served, challenged and being challenged, then we're not living as Jesus Christ desires and the church is not functioning as He intended for it to function. Amen? Despite the clear priority that the Bible puts on believers being part of the local church, many followers of Jesus Christ in this day and time in which we live try to live the Christian life apart from a serious personal commitment to a local church. And the reasons are many, I will admit. We humans in the Western culture and our Western world have been trained and been brought up to be self-reliant and self-sufficient. We can do it. Amen. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? That's my model till I try to get going. Then I find out I'm not so tough. But we're self-reliant and we're self-sufficient and we're taught that and we're schooled in that. The kind of mutual interdependence and even submission and accountability to others that the Bible talks about oftentimes frightens people. Well, I don't want to depend on anybody else. But I'm here to tell you as the church of Jesus Christ, we are dependent on one another. I need you, and you need me, and we need one another. Amen? Many professing professing Christians are often indecisive, looking for the perfect place and the perfect people. There is no such place. The only one that was ever perfect that walked the face of this earth was Jesus Christ, and He no longer walks the earth today. And many professing Christians have been hurt in the past by things that have happened to them in or around them in the church and others simply just don't see the importance of being specifically committed and connected to a local church. But I do want you to know that the Bible declares the local church is important. You are important. You as God's people and His church and His body, you are important And the only way the ministry will be successful is through you. God has entrusted the local church with God leaders who teach us His Word and care for our souls. Here is one such directive that's found in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, just in case you might have forgot about this passage. He said, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You see, God has united us together in local churches to keep one another from sinning and straying from Jesus Christ. Amen. We need those checks and balances. We need to be challenged. We need to be encouraged. We need to be uh, come to a place where we depend on that. God has commanded us to gather together in local assemblies where we preach and teach God's truth. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We baptize new believers and we pray for and encourage one another as we've seen here this morning. Amen. Paul said we need to bear one another's burdens. He said we need to bear one another's burdens. I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But we need to bear in mind, we are to bear one another's burdens. Then after we do all of this, and we celebrate, and we preach, and we sing, and we worship, and we take the Lord's Supper, and we baptize new believers, then, as we find out, then we scatter to care for believers and share the gospel with unbelievers. Amen. 
think I heard one amen. Clearly, being a disciple and making disciples involves committing our life to a local church. Where you're joined together with other believers of like precious faith under biblical leadership to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ and to express the love of Jesus to the world around us. Amen? Amen. From time to time, we need a change of heart. Amen. From time to time, we need a change of heart. We know at the center of human behavior is the need for a change of heart. When we look at society as a whole and we hear and we see some of the things that's out there in the world today and we hear some of the things that are going on, we, with desperation, oh God, how they need a change of heart. So how do we change a person's heart? The heart being the inter-individual or the inter-man, if you will. We might be able to restrain a person's angry outburst by tying him up and gagging him, but the truth of the matter is, we are powerless to change a person's heart. We are powerless to change the heart. This is where God's plan of redemption comes into play. The gospel is not merely about getting us or people in general saved as if we simply pray a prayer and are immediately transported into God's kingdom. Amen? Listen to me now. In fact, God and His Holy Word describe salvation and the transformation of the born again of believer's life this way. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. As He prophesied of the time to come, He said, I will give you a new heart. There we go. He said, I will give you new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Amen. Oh, my friends, I want you to understand. This is a cataclysmic event. Amen. We need to wrap our mind around the fact that when Almighty God, the Creator of the universe and the cosmos and all the things that we can't even wrap our mind around, takes up dwelling place within this human being, it is a cataclysmic event. Have you stopped to imagine what it means to have Almighty God, through His Holy Spirit, to take up residence in your life, in your person, in your being, in who you are? Getting saved, as it were, is not about praying a prayer and then continuing to live our lives as though nothing happened. No, I'm here to tell you when Almighty God enters our lives, we are changed from the inside out. Amen. And if there's not that change going on in your life, friend, perhaps we need to step back and take another look. Amen. The good news is this, that God came to humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul stated it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of 
reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We have been reconciled to Almighty God through the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh friend, that ought to make us happy. That ought to make us joyous. That ought to make us resound with worship and praise and honor unto the King of glory. Amen. Such a thrill it is to know that we who have done nothing to deserve what we have, have been reconciled to God through His grace, His love, and His mercy for humanity. You see, through Jesus Christ's death, through His life, through His death, and through His resurrection, we are transformed. That is, we are made new. All things are passed away and all things have become new. Amen? Our problem, I believe, lies at the core of our being. Amen? However, God transforms our hearts. God literally takes up residence in us through the presence of His Holy Spirit and changes us from the inside out. He does the work of the heart. Remember, He said, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out that old heart of stone that we once had. I'll put in a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments and do them. Amen. So I said all of that to say this. So as we come alongside the broken, oh friend, we live in a world with a lot of broken people. In fact, oftentimes we come to church broken. Amen? The things that Brother David said this morning were probably as much for me as they were for him. We see the magnitude of the issues, and we see the magnitude of what needs to happen and what needs to change and what God needs to do, and it just looks impossible to us. And we wonder how and why and this and all the things that rush through our mind. But friend, when we come alongside broken, hurting people God has placed in our lives, let's remember that our power comes from Him. I am powerless to change the heart of an individual. I am powerless to produce an eloquent enough sermon to change anyone. But the power of the Holy Spirit working through us and out of us and into us will change people. Amen. You see, these are not mere physical issues that we can correct through hard work. Oh, no. These are spiritual issues that run deeper than we can even imagine. Yet God has supplied us with everything we need in order to fulfill His calling. Did you hear that? God has supplied us with everything we need to fulfill His calling. The power to transform hearts and change lives comes from the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said this as recorded in John chapter 6 and verse 63. He said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Amen. 
Oh, yes. The power to transform hearts and change lives comes from the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Paul wrote, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. Amen. Thoroughly equipped for every good work and also through prayer. Amen. Through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Word of God and through prayer, hearts can be changed and transformed. Hallelujah. As we use Scripture to give counsel and comfort others, there is power. Amen. We oftentimes take up the Bible and we read passages as if we were reading any other type of literature. When you read from the pages of this Holy Writ, I want you to know there is power. In fact, the Apostle said it this way in Hebrews 4 and 12, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And of the of joints and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. It's not just a book. It's not just literature, though there's a lot of good things to read. Everything in here is good to read, but there's a lot of good stories. There's a lot of exciting things. There's a lot of times of great triumph. There's times of sorrow and sadness and all these things. But this is the living, breathing Word of God. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So often we look at it and reread it or we sit with someone and counsel them and talk with them and we read it as if it's just words on a page. But he said it's powerful. It's living. As we pray passionately for their hearts to change, there's power. How many of you in this room still believe that prayer changes things? Thank you. We know it does. You see, we cannot remove the lust from another person's heart by our own efforts. I'm not persuasive enough. You're not persuasive enough. But we have the Spirit of God working through us. Amen? Through the gospel, people can be set free from the enslaving power of sin. Oh, but pastor, you don't know, it's, it's awful bad out there today. I don't care how bad it is. People can still be set free from the enslaving power of sin through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. But oh, there's just so many that don't want to hear. I don't, I won't, I don't buy that either. Amen. You see, through the gospel, we are actually empowered to uproot the sin in our hearts, in our hearts. And live in a way that pleases God. And I don't know, I'm just human, you know, Pastor. And I, I'm not, I'm telling you, through the gospel, we are actually empowered to uproot the sin in our own hearts and live in a way that pleases God, and it will affect everyone around us. Paul promised this. Paul promised this in Romans 8 and 13. For if you live according to the flesh, 
you will die. There's no need me explaining a lot about that. I mean, it's self-explanatory. If we live according to the flesh, we will die. But he said, if you by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Amen. If we put to death the deeds of the body by, through His Spirit, we will live. Amen. Sometimes it requires us to bear one another's burdens in these situations. The Bible instructs us to bear one another's burdens. How many of you remember reading that in there? But I will tell you this. Bearing one another's burdens is not always easy. But it is also not optional. It's a command. It's a command. We have to face this challenge head on. You see, here's what I want you to know now. That a church full of isolated individuals, feeling defeated by their sin and stripped of their joy, was never God's plan for the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. He never intended for the church to be defeated by sin and stripped of their joy. Jesus Christ intended for His church to advance powerfully through the centuries, full of love and joy. Oh, Pastor, you understand it's awful hard to have joy in a crazy world. No, I'm telling you, joy does not come from the condition of the world. Joy comes from the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that we maintain in our lives. Amen. If I waited for what's going on out in the world to give me joy, it's been, that's been gone a long time ago. Jesus was very clear when He stated this in Matthew 16 and 18, I will build My church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? Paul also reminds us that the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is working through us. That infamous day, Jesus had been dead three days and three nights. There he was in the tomb, stole, stone rolled into place, and sealed off. And Paul said that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. is working through us. While He lay there on that slab in a lifeless body, body that had been drained of all of its blood, a body that had been beaten and bruised and broken beyond imagination, God stepped in the room and said, Get up. The Holy Spirit stepped in that room, in that cave, and whatever it was that was carved out in the wall. And through His power, He rose from the dead. And Paul said that the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is working through us. Amen. 
You see, Jesus Christ intends for His church to be a united body. I'll give you, I'll give that a minute to soak in. He designed the church and He intends for His church to be a united body. Not a cluster of isolated individuals off doing their own little thing somewhere. He has empowered us to bring truth and transformation into the lives of the people around us. Not to be satisfied with handing out books and tracts and warm wishes. He intends for us to make an impact and a change in the world we live in today. And if the church is going to fulfill its God-given mission in our modern world, we are going to have to take our responsibility to, to one another very seriously. Amen? Somewhere along the way, we're going to have to accept His call to bear one another's burdens. Even when it's messy. Even when we find ourselves in over our heads. We need to bear one another's burdens. I'll share this with you before I close. Just a little illustration. When my mother passed away many years ago, my father was so devastated, so distraught, and just a few short months after mom passed away, suddenly without any idea that she was sick, the home place burnt to the ground, was struck by lightning and burnt to the ground. My wife father was down here visiting with us. And he was left with virtually nothing but a 36-foot travel trailer. That's all he had left. <clears throat> when I went home to help him out, I, I knew that the bearing the burden was far beyond what I could ever, what I could ever do of myself. But as I seen the anxiety and the sorrow and the loneliness and the burden and the just just envelop him. And praying one afternoon, I, I prayed, Lord, just take a portion of his pain and agony and put on me and let me share part of that burden. And he did. I don't know whether I'd ever pray that way again, but I'm telling you, he did. But it made a difference. Dad is alive and well today. And moving on, many years later. Friend, we need to wrap our mind around the reality. Sometimes it's messy and it's hard. But we need to bear one another's burdens. I want to close with this thought. Every member doing its part. Uh-oh. I can see, no. I can see some expressions going, oh no. Every member doing its part. Please don't interpret what I'm saying here this morning as scolding the church. I'm not scolding you at all. I just, this has to be said. It's now or never. We either step up to the challenge 
or we lose it all. Simple as that. Pastor, that's awful. No, we either step up to the challenge now and become the church he designed the church to be, or it's just a matter of time. Every member must do its part. The mission of our church, let me tell you this, is too important for you to leave it with everyone else. This church came here many years ago with an intent and with a purpose. And that was to be a place and be a central location where the church body could go out and transform the community and save souls. And that's still our mission today. Put this next one up on the board. Yeah, you got it there. Thank you. The moment... No, go back where you was at. The moment you begin to believe that our church can be healthy while you sit on the sidelines, you have given up on God's plan of redemption. Amen. God placed you in your unique situation because He wants you to minister to and with the other Christians He's placed around you. You see, you can affect the lives of people that I can never reach. Amen? You see, Paul's God-given vision of the church included every born-again believer. Listen to what he said in Ephesians 4, verses 15 through 16. From the New International Version. We will in all things grow up into Him who is the head. That is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm going to tell you, I need each part of my body to get around and do the things I need to do. Amen? You do too. As we become a little more mature, we find out that there's some members of our body that don't work like they did 25 years ago. That are not quite as liberal and do the things that are not so easily. I don't bounce out of the bed at 4 o'clock in the morning quite as energetic as I used to. I find out there's members of the body that go, whoa, wait a minute. Amen. But so Paul likened that to the body of Christ. We, we must, the, we, the, together, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The church must work in its wholeness and in its entirety. You see, the goal of the church is to grow up in every way into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen. However, the church will never reach this goal unless each part is working properly. Amen. This doesn't mean that we will all function in exactly the same way. You probably don't want my job. If you got to take a good look at my job from the inside out, you'd probably say, you know, I think I'm better off where I'm at. You, you don't, you don't want, you know, unless you're called for that. 
But it doesn't, just because you're not called to pastor or not, just because you're not called to minister from this pulpit or you're not called to teach in a classroom setting or you're not called, that doesn't mean you don't have any responsibility. Amen. We all have a responsibility. We're the body of Christ. It also means that if you're not active in the church, you are hurting your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, I said it. Amen. If you're not active in the local church, you're hurting your brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, one paralyzed leg forces the rest of the body to work twice as hard to make up for that leg's inactivity. Right? God made you to be exactly who you are. And His Spirit has empowered you and I with the unique spiritual abilities or gifts. Amen? I'm looking at the face of a bunch of gifted people. Amen. His Holy Spirit has empowered you and I with unique spiritual abilities or gifts. Together. Say that word with me. Together. Together we function. Together we function as one body. Until you and every person in our church are actively ministering to the people around us. In your area. Your area will not have an an accurate picture of what the church was created to be. Unless we're working together. When we step outside of ourselves and begin bearing the burdens of the people around us, whether they're saved or unsaved, sometimes it means us sitting down and listening to issues and problems and things of unsaved individuals. And we know that their life is where it's at and it's messed in because of the way they've lived. But, oh, friend, don't you approach them judgmentally. Oh, listen. And remind them that Jesus Christ can take all of that stuff And make it right. He can take all that messiness that our lives might have become and He can turn it all around and make something marvelous out of it. Amen. You're looking at someone, He took His life and made something marvelous out of it. Well, you wait a minute, Pastor. You're contradicting yourself. You said you grew up in the pastor's home. Yeah, I did. And I was probably one of... Well, never mind. You probably don't need to know that. It's time consuming. Sometimes it's messy. And sometimes it's even confusing. However, it is necessary. He called us to love hurting people. First to love one another. And then to love hurting people. The only defining factor, the only litmus test that Jesus gave as to whether or not the world will know his disciples was out of the love we have for one another. Well, where's that at? He said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. Amen. Simple as that. Amen, amen, amen. 
Brother Dave, you better come on. We're about to wrap this up. Helping people change is what discipleship is all about. As we help other believers follow Jesus Christ, we are going to run into the temptations, to the lies, the idols that hold them back. It'll be difficult, but we know what Jesus has accomplished, and we know how this story will end. I'm going to tell you this. He's coming back after Victoria's Church. He's not coming back after a joyless, defeated people. He's coming after a victorious church. He's coming after a people that have taken up their cross and have taken the Word of God literally and are bearing one another's burdens and taking this gospel message to a lost world. We have a part to play in God's plan of redemption. High Point Church, we have a part to play in God's plan of redemption. It won't always be fun. But we must be faithful to God's calling. Sometimes stepping to this podium to preach is more fun than others. Sometimes it's not fun at all. Sometimes I'd rather Brother David or somebody else have the responsibility to do it, what I have to say. But So as the Holy Spirit speaks to your hearts today, I'm going to leave you with one final question. Would, you, would everyone just stand, please? Stand. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to listen to this question I'm about to ask you. I want you to take it to heart. As you peer into the mirror of God's Word, would you say this about yourself? The question being, have you been playing your part in the body of Jesus Christ? Have you been fulfilling your God-given gift and call into the body of Jesus Christ? Remember, looking into the mirror of God's Word. If your answer is or has been no, are you ready to get involved? Are you ready to step up and be what He's called us to be? Spend some time in prayer in the days to come. Ask God to give you the confidence and the Spirit's power to use you in ministering to other people. Well, Pastor, I don't know anything about ministering. You don't have to know anything about it. Ask Him for the wisdom to know what to do and the discernment to recognize people who need help. Pray that God will use you and our church to continue His plan of redemption in our unique setting, in our community, and in our city. Amen. And if every member will do its part, holding up one another 
embracing God's Word, allowing His Holy Spirit to work through us and in us and all around us, I'm here to tell you it will boggle your mind what God will do in this generation. Amen? All the transformation that comes by the gospel is as real as real gets. So this morning, would you allow the Spirit to minister to your heart right now as we worship for just a moment, Brother David. Be more.